Welcome to a brand new episode of the Jam Pack Report today for May the 29th of 2020. Of course, my name is Samuel Adams and we've got some very big news for the PlayStation 5 today because an event is coming on June the 4th. Sony is officially confirming its next PlayStation 5 event will be held on Thursday, June the 4th. The event will begin at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time, and Sony is promising, quote, a look at the future of gaming on PlayStation 5. It will run for a bit more than an hour and feature a first look at the games you'll be playing after PlayStation 5 launches this holiday, according to Jim Ryan, president and CEO of Sony Interactive Entertainment. The games coming to PlayStation 5 represent the best in the industry from innovative studios that span the globe. Studios, both larger and smaller, those newer and those more established, all have been hard at work developing games that will showcase the potential of the hardware, says Ryan. This digital showcase will run for a bit more than an hour, and for the first time, we will all be together virtually experiencing the excitement together. Recent reports suggested Sony would hold a PlayStation 5 event a day earlier on June the 3rd, focusing mainly on games. Sony is not expected to reveal every detail of the PlayStation 5 console at this event, and further events are rumored to be planned for the coming weeks and months. This is part of our series of PlayStation 5 updates, and rest assured, after next week's showcase, we will still have much to share with you, explains Ryan. Of course, the Verge article goes on to explain that so far Sony has unveiled the PS5 specs, its logo, and a new wireless controller, the DualSense, for its next-gen console, but they have not shared the console itself, and it's not clear if that will change at the June 4th event. Personally, I want to set some expectations, I want to give some predictions as to what we are going to be seeing. You won't be seeing a console, you won't be seeing a price point, you might see a release date. And that is pretty much everything you were going to be getting from the console at this event. Uh, because of the verbiage used in the post itself into the blog announcement, it seems like this is going to be somewhat similar to the Xbox event that we saw a couple of weeks back, uh, which primarily talks about the games you are going to be playing. And I think that very well could play into Sony's favor, because at the end of the day, although a console's appearance, its aesthetic, does matter... It really comes down to the games, because I want to see what PlayStation has cooking uh, for a launch at the PlayStation 5, or a launch on the PlayStation 5, I should say, because if we get to see the sequel to Horizon Zero Dawn, if we see Spider-Man 2, if we see uh, God of War 2, any of these big-name games, that is going to be a very big deal that certainly, in terms of competing with Xbox, uh, is a tsunami wave that is going to crush any kind of hype that Xbox has built up right now, because if anybody can generate hype, it is absolutely PlayStation. Uh, now, in terms of the console reveal itself, I think that could wait uh, for a while. Would I like to see the console? Of course I want to see the console, but that's kind of like the cherry on top. And what Sony has done so far with its marketing is release the logo, which we knew what that was going to look like anyway. You all of a sudden drop the DualSense. You have the DualSense out there. Nothing but the controller that you're going to be using generated tons of engagement, tons of likes, tons of metrics online that already surpassed any kind of Xbox event. Then you release some information about the games, which we're going to be seeing next week. Then you show off the console. Each is a gradual step showing more and more eventually coming to say, these are the experiences. These are what you're going to be playing these experiences with in terms of the DualSense. And this is the console that is the entire package together. I think that's pretty neat. Uh, now, 
Again, could Xbox compete with this? Absolutely. I cannot wait for the July event. Uh, but as I said on yesterday's show with the discussion around Xbox backwards compatibility, I need to see the exclusives that I'm going to be able to play on the Xbox hardware and the PlayStation 5. I want to know why I need to buy one of these consoles over the other if I am going to be forced to choose which the majority of gamers are going to be in that position. So again, tune in on June the 4th at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time at PlayStation.com slash PS5 for the entire rundown. Now, one piece of news that I did want to mention that I think is pretty significant uh, is the fact that you do have the potential matte black DualSense controller. Uh, now, this is something that I don't see too many people talking about. I see a couple of outlets reporting on it, uh, but clearly the controller showcased in this little teaser trailer on the official PlayStation Twitter account is not the white controller. This has to be a black controller. And that could uh, signal the existence of a, of course, uh, black alternative to the white aesthetic that we saw whenever the DualSense was revealed. Uh, so we'll see if that is going to be the case. I would love to see multiple color schemes at launch, specifically one black and one white. And that's not entirely unprecedented because you see that happening with the PSP Go uh, a few years ago. I say a few years, roughly 10, who knows, uh, but it would be nice to have a couple of other options other than the blaring white. However, new PS4 games must also run on PlayStation 5 from July on, Sony has told developers. This means all PS4 games received by Sony for testing after the middle of the month are technically forwards compatible, playable on Sony's next-gen console, though it is up to each game's developer to ensure this is the case. Developer documentation released on PlayStation's internal partner website and seen by Eurogamer details an option developers must check to state their game has been tested for compatibility with PlayStation 5 hardware. This option was added at the end of April in a new version of Sony's PS4 software developer kit. Sony has told developers it will contact them individually with details on how to test PlayStation 5 compatibility in the order of their various projects' release. Further documentation sheds light on what compatibility means. A game will be deemed compatible with PlayStation 5 only if its submission code runs without issues on Sony's next-gen machine and provides the same features on PS5 as it does on PS4. So, for example, a developer could not flag their game as PlayStation 5 compatible but not provide support for a certain mode on the next-gen hardware. These developer notes also detail Sony's rules for patching to existing games and remasters of previously released titles. If a game was originally submitted to Sony before the 13th of July 2020, any new patch or remaster after that date would not require PS5 compatibility, but it would be strongly recommended. If a game was originally submitted to Sony after the 13th of July, any future patch or remaster to that game would need to keep PS5 compatibility. Once a PS5 game is compatible, or a game is compatible with PlayStation 5, it must stay so. It is worth emphasizing that all of this applies to games submitted to Sony after the 13th of July, which is not the same as anything released after that date. Submissions are generally made well in advance of release to ensure Sony's certification team can approve the game in time. For example, Sony's own Ghost of Tsushima is released on the 17th of July, but will have entered certification prior to the 13th of July cutoff. It will not specifically need to be PlayStation 5 forwards compatible, however as one of PS4's remaining flagship titles it is certain to be supported on the PlayStation 5. 
But it is worth noting that while approved software has the technical capability to work across generations, Sony has yet to go into detail on how it will handle this in reality. Of course, Eurogamer goes on to talk about Xbox's smart delivery technology, which essentially allows any version of a game to run if you have a version purchased. So if you have, for instance, uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla on the Xbox One, you can then use that game on the Xbox Series X when you upgrade or when you play on another console that is newer. Uh, you can just go ahead and move on up in the world and get that new version. So the big question here is, is this going to be a problem for developers? Personally, I don't really think so. This sounds like something uh, that I am sure developers internally have run into many months in advance before this announcement. Uh, it seems like something that's probably going to become pretty much run-of-the-mill uh, stationary kind of work that is a core part of game development for the next-gen consoles, especially since backwards compatibility is such a big part of this upcoming generation, especially on the Xbox front, and I am sure we will hear more information shortly about that initiative from the PlayStation 5 side of things. Uh, very excited to see if they were able to get things running in the way that they certainly should be able to. But PlayStation 5 exclusives remain on track despite COVID-19. Of course, Liam Croft writes this over at Push Square, but as part of an interview with GI.biz, Sony Interactive Entertainment's president and CEO Jim Ryan said that all first-party games are currently on schedule to release as and when originally planned. Quote, and finally, the people who make games, we and our partners, seem to be coping really well. And so we are on track. We are going to launch this holiday and we are going to launch globally. We are really looking forward to it and it's going to be a blast. Ryan then goes on to state that the games are ready to go and that Sony feels really good about them. Of course, there are no definitive games outlined as to what uh, the discussions next week are going to hold, uh, but I did want to say it seems that the first party games are largely unaffected and this corroborates reports that we have heard over the course of the past few weeks as third party games are beginning to feel some of the uncertainty surrounding COVID-19. The core exclusives that are going to bolster the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X seem to be on track, and that is good news for both of these console developers. But there is also a report going around, and I believe the quote is from Jim Ryan, that PlayStation 5 exclusives will not have PlayStation 4 counterpart versions. Uh, so any of these big cons... <clears throat> excuse me, console selling exclusives, uh, these are not going to be available on the current generation of hardware, and that presents a very interesting head-to-head -head, uh, competition between the Xbox and PlayStation in terms of approach, uh, because whenever you have PlayStation 5 exclusives, that makes the new console a much more appealing option for those that want to get in on something that they have no access to. They feel compelled to go out and adopt the new console earlier than they might originally intend to. While at the same time, you have Xbox offering their exclusives uh, on the Xbox One for potentially years to come, at least a year, if not more. And so that presents it as a pretty prime opportunity to play next-gen games on a current-gen setup with a current-gen price tag, especially if a presumed price drop comes to the Xbox One X or the Xbox One S whenever the new generation of consoles rolls out. But very interesting to see uh, that the schedule remains intact despite COVID-19.
But as far as free PlayStation Plus games go, this is something I meant to discuss yesterday, but we wanted to go ahead and throw it in here today. Star Wars Battlefront 2 now sits alongside Call of Duty World War II as part of PlayStation Plus lineups for June. May's irreversible slide into June means another batch of games for PlayStation Plus subscribers, and of course these include World War II from the Call of Duty team and Star Wars Battlefront 2. World War II, released in 2017, had marked a long-running first-person shooter series return to its second World War roots, having zipped all around history and occasionally the future in the intervening years. Alongside the series' perennially popular multiplayer modes, it offered up a full single-player story campaign, following the 1st Infantry Division's battles on the Western Front and a Nazi-themed zombies mode for cooperative play. Of course, as for Star Wars Battlefront 2, it's perhaps most keenly remembered for the huge controversy surrounding its use of loot boxes, which were reasonably, of course, mired uh, for the release and ultimately caused EA and developer DICE to make one of the biggest post-launch U-turns in recent memory, dramatically reworking the game's progression system to ditch its original pay-to-win monetization, shifting to cosmetic microtransactions instead. So, of course, the game has since been fixed and plenty of content has come out, uh, and it has become a stellar, uh, shining example of how to really turn around a game whenever fan backlash essentially kills what should have been a huge AAA title uh, for 2018, which is when I believe that it came out. 2017, has it been that long? Wow, that's wild. Has it really, hold on, Star Wars Battlefront 2 release date, give me that number, it is November 17th, 2017, I think about it as a 2018 game because nobody played it for those first two months since the microtransactions were so riddling uh, to the experience. But before we round out today's show, and this week's lineup of shows, the Sonic the Hedgehog movie is getting a sequel. Paramount and Sega have confirmed the news to Variety this afternoon, and while it's too early for casting announcements, though you would expect at least Jim Carrey, James Mardson, and Sonic's voice Ben Schwartz to be back, the same core team behind the first film, director Jeff Fowler, and writers Pat Casey and Josh Miller are returning. The first Sonic movie, which did not have the easiest time late in production, went on to have the top-grossing opening weekend for a video game in history, which is a low bar to clear, but still it has been cleared. The first film ended with Eggman and Robotnik. Of course, we won't, we won't get into the spoilers. If you read it, I apologize. Uh, I haven't watched the movie. I don't really plan on it, but I don't like spoiling things. Uh, so the Sonic the Hedgehog movie is getting a sequel. This is to nobody's shock because it was a very high-grossing film. And now that they've nailed down the character animations and the models, uh, it's probably going to be a smoother sailing ride to create this second movie. So congrats to the team for making the right call and redoing the way that Sonic looked. But that rounds out today's episode of the Jam Pack Report. If you enjoyed this one, drop me a like down below and let me know what you think about the stories we talked about here today. How are you feeling now? Are you excited about the PlayStation 5 event? What games do you think we are going to be seeing? And even more so, where do you stand in terms of Xbox versus PlayStation going into the next gym? I know I've been asking this question a lot, but I love hearing your thoughts whenever you do choose to share them, and you can do so in the comment section down below on the YouTube channel. But until next time, you guys have a fantastic rest of your weekend. I'll talk to you soon, and peace.